Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today we are going to be interviewing uh, one of our favorite guests that we've had ever. She had a really great episode the last time she was on, um, Marsha Montenegro. So the last time, she kind of gave us her faith story. This time, what are we going to be talking about, Zach? We're going to be diving into a little bit more of what the New Age is. That's going to be the bulk of this episode. And then we'll sprinkle in some other stuff as well. But we'll get right to that after a quick word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right. I think we're going. Are we recording? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Marsha, thanks for being with us. Um, this is Marsha Montenegro. She's been on once before. Uh, the last time she was on, we kind of talked about her faith story a little bit. And uh, we 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 kind of delved out into the, the world of New Age a little bit um, after talking about, you know, how, how you've uh, come into uh, the Christian ministry. But today we wanted to dive a little more into how our culture um, here in the States, you know, because that's where we're living. So I guess that's just the easiest to talk about for us. Or Western but, culture. Yeah, Western culture. Yeah. Yeah. Western, yeah. Um, is, is kind of uh, been latching on to different various aspects of the New Age over the, the years and years and years and years. But um, how a lot of people maybe don't even know that a lot of people maybe don't even know what what is the new age? What are these right. practices? And we, we've talked about those a little bit on the program. We had an episode uh, a, a couple uh, a couple episodes ago where we talked a little bit about um, manifestation or or new thought or um, karma. Karma. We talked about karma as well. Yeah. So uh, but I would like to hear. I'd like to hear from you. You're the expert. <laughs> so. and, and maybe even before we get started on that, why is this important? Why should we even be concerned about the new age? Right. Well, that's a good question. And yeah, why should we? Why should we bother trying to understand it? Well, I think as Christians, it's important because it's important to understand, I think, the culture we live in. And the new age has very much become um pretty mainstream in some areas. I mean, I'll just give one example everybody will will know about, and that's yoga. 
Okay, pretty much, I'm sure everyone listening to this program has heard of yoga. <laughs> and maybe some of them are doing yoga or have done yoga. Uh, I recall when I was doing, taking some yoga classes as a new ager, this was very unusual. It was unusual to take yoga and you were considered to be kind of um, on the fringe if you did yoga. It was considered sort of a post-hippie thing to do yoga. <laughs> and I remember telling um, a doctor that I was seeing that I did yoga. I can't remember why I told him. Maybe he asked me if I exercised or something. And he gave me this look like yoga. Like, why Why are you doing yoga? I mean, he, that he was like surprised. Um that he knew somebody that did yoga. <laughs> uh, and I think a lot of people have a hard time believing that because it's so common today to run into people doing yoga, or certainly if you live in a larger town or city, you see yoga studios, you see it online, you see it in movies, you know, people talk about it, et cetera. It's very common. And it is, that's completely different from when I was doing it. Uh, Yes, there were people doing it and people had heard of it, but most people were not doing it. And a lot of people in the mainstream culture saw it as an Eastern kind of thing, like that's kind of exotic to do yoga. So that has dramatically shifted. That's one of the biggest shifts I've seen mm. into mainstream culture. And then there are other areas, but that's a good example. So as Christians, uh, we're going to probably run into people who are involved in some aspect of the new age, even if the person doesn't think of it as the new age or even knows what the new age is, doesn't matter. You know, they don't necessarily know what the new age is to be involved in it. And so if you as a Christian are running into people like that at work or maybe even in your family or maybe a neighbor or something, you want to know a little bit about it so that it, when the topic comes up, first of all, you can be discerning yourself. And secondly, you can have a conversation about it. Not, not You don't have to be an expert, but it's just good to know a little bit about new age thinking in those particular yeah. areas. Um, and I think that, you know, we see that in scripture when, you know, Paul went there into the pagan culture, uh, like on Mars Hill is probably the best example. I mean, he went to the synagogues and, and talk to the Jews, but he also went into the pagan culture and gave that, that speech on Mars Hill. All, those were all pagans. Uh, as far as we know, everybody there was, and some of them, they were in different religious groups, you know, like the, some of them were Stoics and I don't know what the others were, but he was addressing them. And I think that since we are in the world, it's very important to me as a Christian to be able to respond to major issues that that I that I'm able to respond on if I if I can I'm not qualified I can't respond on everything. <laughs> Jay, you lose me in certain areas. I'm I'm totally lost because they get too scientific or technical, and I'm I'm just at sea. But in areas where you can get a little bit of of information so that you can talk to the person, you know, and you can ask questions. But it you we it sort of building a bridge. Yeah, yeah. But we at least need to be aware of it. And a lot of Christians maybe are aware of something like yoga, but they don't really know what it is. 
or what it's about, or maybe they don't even know why maybe it's not compatible with Christianity. So another topics that you mentioned, like karma and manifestation, what, what are those, what is that about? And are those, what the ideas behind it incompatible with Christianity? And, Hmm. uh, you know, if not, why not? So a lot of, a lot of Christians, I think maybe know, they might say, yeah, I think that's incompatible, but they don't know why. So it's really good, I think, to at least know some basics. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really. I'm kind of really apologetics oriented, so that's you know that's that's my approach to everything. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. Hey, Paul told but, us to make a defense for our faith. Yes, right? yes, yes. He did. Um, so, so um, my okay, maybe maybe a good starting question would be, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the new age at this point, but if you had to just briefly describe what the new age is, what what would you say? Okay, this is my pretty my standard definition of it. It is a network of belief systems that draws from three major areas. The first area is Gnosticism, and that goes back to the early church when Gnosticism was they it wasn't fully developed till the second century, but it was beginning in the first century. And it's addressed in some books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was at that time, it was a mixture of Jewish. It was Jewish mysticism, uh, some stuff from Jewish mysticism mixed in with other ideas and that later became. And of course, Gnosticism itself is there's a variety of different Gnostic beliefs, um, just tons. I read a book by an expert, Kurt Randolph, not too long ago. I didn't even realize there were that many different varieties of Gnosticism <laughs> that have been around for centuries. And he covers all of them in that book. But the, some of the basic core ideas were already there in the early church. Matter was evil. Spirit was good. Uh, men are, are spirits trapped in matter. So that was the idea. You're trapped in matter. Your real place is to be back where you came from, from the one, the one God that, you know, isn't the biblical God, of course, and isn't even the God who created the earth because God who created the earth was evil. So, um, this idea of the spirit matter duality in the new age. Is very Gnostic, and that's partly a Gnost, that's a Gnostic influence. The spirit matter. Now, New Agers won't say matter is evil, but they do think that either it's an illusion or it's very dense energy, because everything's energy in the New Age. So mm-hmm. dense energy in the New Age is a negative. Uh the because the idea is that you're progressing, and as you progress spiritually, you're progressing away from matter. And as you become more spiritual, you're getting away from matter. So that's very much like the Gnostic idea that you have to free yourself from the material world. So I have a quick question about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when you hear people talk about like low and high vibrations, is that kind of similar to the dense, like dense matter would be like low vibrations? Yeah, it, I would want another context. Yeah. But if they're talking about low vibrations of a, um, a like spiritual beings food, or people. Yeah, yeah, that would, yes, I would, I would think that that's what they meant. That's a lower okay. vibration. That's a, that's a negative. So maybe it's someone, if it's somebody with a lower vibration, they aren't as developed spiritually. 
Mm, okay. But anything can be, you know, and have low vibrations or be dense or have negative, even negative, like plastic is considered to have very negative vibrations. When I was in the new age, we didn't buy, we tried to avoid plastic and we dressed our son only in natural fibers because any fibers that weren't natural, like cotton, uh, had negative vibrations. See, that? I mean, that's what we were actually believe. So, you know, you, you, when you're a new agent, you really believe it. You, you usually, you live it out. So as much as possible. So, I mean, we were living certain foods have better vibrations than others. And so, you know, this, this, this worldview, it permeates everything that is, permeates your view of reality and how you live your life. So, um, this whole thing of the vibrations and negative energy. So matter is like a denser energy. Now it may have a sacred energy in it. Okay. But the matter itself is a usually seen as a denser energy. Now this is not, I want to say this, this is not necessarily universal because you have such a variety of views in the new age. Not everyone's going to, um, everyone, everyone you find involved in the new age is necessarily going to believe this, but I'm giving kind of the major view that mm-hmm. sort of underpins casting a wide it. net yeah it's very it's very wide so keep in mind there will be exceptions to everything i say that that's another problem we're talking about the new age so that's one of the first influences or sources of the new age the second one is eastern religions um mainly uh uh hinduism Taoism, which came from china and mahayana buddhism and I say, I usually just say Buddhism, but I really should be saying Mahayana Buddhism because Theravada Buddhism is in like Burma and Thailand. Mahayana Buddhism is in Tibet, China, Japan, Korea, more, more Northern and the Southeast Asia is more Theravada. And it's, it, those are basically two very major schools of Buddhism. And all they, although they agree on the central teachings, the core teachings of Buddha, uh, they depart very drastically later on because Mahayana Buddhism accepts um, writings that were written much later, whereas Theravada Buddhism does not. So Theravada Buddhism is more restricted and narrow in its form of Buddhism, and Mahayana Buddhism is much broader. And that's the kind of Buddhism that has influenced the New Age, is the Mahayana Buddhism. That's okay. what the Dalai Lama is. And that's what you find in China and Japan. Zen Buddhism is Mahayana Buddhism. Okay. So that's the kind that is influenced the New Age. And Taoism from China, uh, most people have heard of or know the yin yang symbol, right? Do you ever see that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're pretty, that's a pretty prominent thing to see. That's from Taoism. Most people don't understand what that is. Um, I could even talk about that. <laughs> Because uh, we see it a lot um, in conjunction with alternative healing and with martial arts uh, sometimes. And then uh, I remember when I was like 12 years old, going to like uh, JCPenney and buying a T-shirt that had like a yin yang with like a dragon and a tiger fighting. Like you <laughs> yeah, see that yeah. stuff all the time. And when you're a little kid, you're like, oh, look, it's a dragon and a tiger. And you don't even I realize know. there's like a weird spiritual component to this. thing. Right? <laughs> I, know, I know. Yeah. I, the yin yang is a very spiritual sim- symbol, very spiritual. Um, and uh, so that's it. But, you know, co- other concepts from Taoism come from that. 
uh, Lao Tzu, who, who is a very popular uh, writer. And I mean, a lot when I was in college, a lot of my friends were reading that. I think that people in college still read Lao Tzu. He's very he's quoted all the time. And, you know, this is a, about things like um, a strong, uh, you know, a strong plant. I'm, I'm not this is a paraphrase, a strong tree or something. Uh, when the wind comes, a strong tree bends, it doesn't break, you know, that kind of thing. So all of that is coming from Taoism, where the idea is to find balance between earth, man, and heaven. So you have hmm. to find balance. And the universal force is chi or ki, C-H-I, or it can be spelled Q-I or K-I, depending on whether it's Japan or Korea or China. Uh, and that's, of course, just how we spell it with, in English. It's not the you know, it's not using the, the alphabet of those countries. So chi or ki is the universal ener energy that's used in some martial arts. It's a basis for a lot of martial arts. Uh, and it's a basis for a lot of alternative healing, which some of which is in the church. And that's a big area. That's a huge area that's in the church. Um, so things like acupuncture is based on that. That comes from Taoism, something called tapping that unfortunately has got into the church is based on that. Um, shiatsu is based on that. There's a lot of uh, reflexology is based on that. There's a lot of stuff that's popular and alternative healing that comes from China, from Taoism. Uh, the, and, and then Hinduism, um, karma, reincarnation, all of that is big in the new age. So the, those e three Eastern religions have a huge influence on the new age. So that's the second source. And the third source is New Thought, which is a much more recent source, although the ideas in New Thought go back further. But New Thought itself uh, started really with the writings of a man named Emanuel Swedenborg, who lived in the 18th century. Um, he had been raised Lutheran, which at that time, pretty much everyone in that country, he was from Sweden, everyone was raised Lutheran. And uh, but the thing is, he started um, and I think his father was a minister. He started, he said, this is what he said. He claimed he started having visitations from angels who were giving him information. And so Swedenborg was writing all this stuff down. He got very, very interested in um what these angels were telling him. And I think he may have put it together with his own ideas. Uh, and he came up with this, you know, philosophy about everything <laughs> pretty much. Uh, and his ideas were kind of, he's sometimes called the grandfather of the new thought movement uh, because some of his ideas kind of migrated into other people's ideas and those became the basis. New thought was something that didn't just spring up overnight. It developed over a period of time and it developed mostly in the 1800s. Uh, so mostly the lot of the different teachers of what became new thought were talking and teaching things in the 1800s. One of them is kind of well known um, today, even Napoleon Hill who wrote Think, Think and Grow Rich, I think is his book. It's a hmm. very popular book. It still sells well. Think and Grow Rich. And, the, and he's the one who said thoughts are things. And so your thought actually is, he says, is a thing. It's 
not a material thing, but it's like almost like a material thing in that you influence reality with your thinking and with your thoughts. And Swedenborg said that illness came from negative thinking. That was is this one where of Christian the, science comes from. Yes. Yes. Okay. Christian science is one of the three major churches that came out of new thought. Yes. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Good, good and and I, 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 well, I got one more random one. I don't know if you're, you're aware of this, but I was, we, we got talking about Johnny Appleseed the other day oh. and he was a Swedenborgian. You know what? I think I had, I had read that a few years ago, but I forgot it. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. one was so random because I always knew that he was like into some weird uh, occultic kind of I, leanings, I, I, but yeah. I never really knew what. And we just looked that up on Wikipedia like three episodes ago for some reason. <laughs> so that's so funny you bring that up. But Oh, that's, you yeah. know who else is a follower of Swedenborg's ideas? Dr. Oz. <laughs> Dr. Oz. Really? Wow. Yes. Well, His yeah, wife, I'm sure you just shocked yeah. a lot of listeners yeah. just there. <laughs> His wife, I always thought of him as a new ager. I mean, I think he was raised Muslim, but I don't think he, as far as I know, he doesn't really practice, you know, Islam. Yeah, I always thought of him as new age. I mean, he the way he got his fame was by being on Oprah's program. That's how right. he got famous. Um, and he, yes, his wife is a member of the church that was started by the followers of Swedenborg. They started something called uh, the New Church. It's now called the New Church, but it was called the New Church of Jerusalem or the New Jerusalem Church originally. And it was started, um, I don't think Swedenborg started it. I think his followers started it. I just finished reading a chapter on him in a book. I'm reading a history of esoteric, um, basically esoteric beliefs in the West. It's, it's by a scholar. It's a fascinating book. He has a whole chapter on Swedenborg. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, so his wife is a member of the Swedenborg Church, the new church. She's also a Reiki practitioner which is energy healing that's another new age thing and dr oz said he was a follower of swainborg's ideas swainborg still has followers all over the world uh so and there are these churches like called the new church and i investigated um one or, or well i investigated the new church uh, a few years ago and did a facebook post on it because i discovered that they can appear very christian they um, they have a service and they call it a church and they'll even quote the Bible. It was a very it was really very interesting. I I had not really realized how much they resembled like a Christian church until I started looking into it. I think I saw an article that mentioned them and I thought, wait a minute, the new church. Like I'm, I need to look at this, you know. So I lo- I was looking into them. I went to their website. I did a whole big Facebook post on him. But if you go read their beliefs, you can and you and you know Christianity, you you can see it's not it's not Christian. Uh, because one of the things that Swedenborg came up with, and this is classic in all cults, all religions that try to claim they're Christian, because Swedenborg claimed he was teaching Christianity, uh, they will deny the Trinity. That's always the Trinity is mm-hmm. always denied or or redefined. And he denied the Trinity. And so that right there, you know, okay, we're dealing with uh, occultic, a not occultic, but well, it's occultic and occultic. A C U L T. I hate it that those two words are so much alike because um, <laughs> there's kind of a, a similarity in that why they're, the words are the same, but they really have very different meanings. And, and people are always, you know, 
I don't want people to misunderstand me. Anyway, um, so from him came these people like Napoleon Hill, Thoughts or Things, then other other teachers in the 1800s. There were quite a few of them. Another big one is Emmett Fox. And his books are sometimes sold on Christian sites as Christian books. He wrote a whole book um, on the Sermon on the Mount. And actually, that is given out sometimes at AA meetings mm. because the founders of AA were into New Thought. Now, I personally don't think it influenced the, that much what they do in AA. I, I mean, a lot of people do. I, cause they say the, the, one of the first things is you, you know, your higher power. They talk about your higher power. Um, but that, I think that's a way to say whoever you think your higher power is. I mean, they don't claim to be a religious group. Um, so of course, Christians would think of it as God. Other people would think of it as whatever, you know, they want to think of it as. Um, I was in a 12-step ACOA group when I was a new ager, and I just thought of the higher power as kind of either my higher self or something like that, some higher, my higher, a higher self in the new age is kind of like your spiritual self that is, you know, the, the wise spiritual part of you that is there that's being uncovered. You know, you haven't, you haven't reached it yet, but it's kind of, it's there, and you can maybe get some wisdom from it kind of replaces God, you know, because I really thought of that more than I did of God, because God was an energy to me. So I didn't really think about getting wisdom from God, you know. I thought more about the higher self than God. Um so uh the spiritual um higher self, this whole thing from the A, but they did they were followers apparently of New Thought. And Emmett and, and Emmett, Emmett Fox uh, I've seen his books sold or presented as Christian books. I've seen Christians recommend Emmett Fox. And I'm always, you know, I always like jump out of my seat when <laughs> it's kind of scream when I see that. Cause I'm like, no, 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 Emmett Fox is not Christian. And I've read some of Emmett Fox and I have an article on him on my website. So, um, anyway, new thought began, then formed. Uh, starting in the late 19th century, Mary Baker Eddy was influenced by it. She's the founder of the Christian Science Church, but she also added her own ideas there. So her form of new thought is a very, it's like a take on new thought with her own ideas. Then the other big one was Unity, which at the time was called the Unity School of Christianity. And the other one was the Church of Religious Science, founded by two brothers, um, Ernest and Fenwick Holmes. And guess who they influenced? They influenced Ernest Holmes' writings were studied by Norman Vincent Peale, who wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. I think it mm. came out in the 1950s. Have you heard of that, Zach? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know yeah. you have. Yeah. The Power of Positive Thinking. Yeah. That it, was this is Norman. like all of the self help books are just rooted in New Age yes. thought, is what I'm learning. Most, <laughs> most self help stuff are rooted in New Thought. Yeah. They're rooted in New Thought. Now, New Thought, and, and let me make a, you know, we're on the third influence on the New Age, but I want to make a distinction. New Thought as a movement and the New Age as a movement are distinct. They're not the same thing because they developed differently and they have different sources and influences and they're not the same. So you could be a follower of New Thought, but not necessarily a New Ager. 
However, mm. if you are a new ager, you probably, you probably have adhere to new thought. Not not all new thought teachings, but some of them, at least some of them. Okay. But not necessarily all of them. It's like how a it's like how uh, a raven is a crow, but not all crows are ravens. <laughs> yeah, is that right? Is a raven a crow? It's something like that. I don't know. <laughs> or vice versa. I thought it was different from a, it different from a crow. It, it's like it, a blackbird or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because there's blackbirds, magpies, crows, and ravens. And I, I right, know I right. get the categories. Yeah. So it's, or it's, you could say like a cat is like uh, in the cat family, like a tiger. A cat and a tiger are both in the cat family, whatever it's called. But they're not the same thing. They're, right, they're different. Right. So this is kind of like that. It's they're similar, and the New Age takes from New Thought, but they're distinct movements. They have distinct histories. But if you're giving okay. a history of the New Age, you would include some of the history of New Thought because it's such a big influence on the New Age and things like Christ consciousness that comes from New Thought, and the New Age adopted Christ consciousness. Most New Agers that I knew believed in Christ consciousness and talked about it. Not all of them, but but most of them. And that comes directly from New Thought. Could you explain that for the listener? Yeah, Christ consciousness. And for the host. No, I know this one. I actually know this one. I don't. (laughs) Um, Christ consciousness. Oh, I want to say more about Nervous Appeal in a minute. Um, The idea in New Thought is that Jesus was a man like like all humans. But all humans have a divine nature because we all come from God originally, but we've forgotten our divine nature. And so Jesus came to show us that we have a divine nature and he realized his divine nature. And when he realized it and became aware of it, he he reached Christ consciousness. And he did that as an example for us. So we can all reach Christ consciousness. That's the idea, new thought, and it's and it migrated into the new age. So doesn't Richard Rohr fall into that category? No, he no, he doesn't. I, he can sound like he does, but he doesn't. He is a follower of perennial wisdom, the Christian okay. variety of perennial wisdom, which is a whole. If you want to have me on again, I can do a whole show. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I don't want to get you off the rails. I've just heard it make mention of it before. Yeah. Well, a lot of people think he's a New Ager because a lot of things he says sound like it and they're compatible with New Age thinking. But he's his his specific beliefs are not New Age. Um, For example, I'm pretty sure he doesn't believe in reincarnation. And I don't think he would say we are divine. What he does say is that we have always been in God because the first manifestation of Christ was creation. And he's actually a panentheist and believes that spirit and matter are combined, which is the opposite of a spirit matter duality. And he even did a program I watched where he explained why he was not in favor of Gnosticism. He said, I'm not Gnostic because he believes in a spirit matter mixture and he thinks Christ embodied that. And that's one, that's how he talks about Jesus. It was, a, it was a combination of spirit and matter. But we all have a combination of spirit and matter. Now, to a certain extent, it's true. We all have a body and a spirit, right? Or a body and a soul. But the way he means it is very different. He he means it in that, that we're actually imbued with a sacred energy from God. Because we come from God. We were always in God. Not come, he may not say we come from God. We were always in God. We've always been in Christ. We were created. 
And when we were created, we were part of creation. Therefore, we become part of Christ because Christ manifested as creation. Man, that's wild. That's his thinking. Yeah. (laughs) That is out there. I know it is. And that's what he believes. And perennial wisdom is the belief that at the core of all religions come from one core Mm. kind of of it there's a universalist kind of vibe there too everybody gets to be right (laughs) well here's well yeah in a way although universalism is more about like how everything all leads to the truth and even though a perennialist would say that the the reason they say that is different they say it because they believe all religions go back it's a very specific belief go back to this one core truth and I'm actually reading a history of perennial wisdom. It's um, it's a very detailed, long, long. It's probably going to take me at least the rest of the year to finish this book because I'm reading like two or three other books at the same time. But it's um, it goes back to these thinkers really in the 1800s, and they really started off with they. Some of them were followers of Sufism, but they were Westerners. They weren't they weren't Middle Easterners, and they weren't. Muslims, they were followers of, they were Westerners and raised in Western Christian countries. They became followers of, of, of Islam or Sufism. And they, because they, what they were looking for is they were looking for the original religion, the religion that had the purest teachings that all other religions come from. And so this idea developed over, over time through different thinkers. But Richard Rohr has this on his blog. It's very easy to find references to perennial wisdom or perennial philosophy because he he's he's very open about it he doesn't hide Mm -hmm. that he believes this um so yeah so that he's really a separate topic (laughs) so he is really quick just for anybody listening so to to understand why he even came into the mix um marcia actually uh co-wrote a book with don and joy vino called uh richard Rohr and the enneagram secret and richard Rohr, correct me on this is is the man that essentially brought the Enneagram forth and said, this is an ancient Christian practice, even though it's not is in yeah. short, is that a he, fair he's, summary? He's, he's the one, he's the first one who quote unquote Christianized it. Cause yeah. the book he wrote with Andrew Seppert said the Enneagram, a Christian perspective. And yeah. that's the book that eventually got the Enneagram into the church via the progressives. But that's how that is it. And that's why he's sometimes quoted and referred to by pastors, you know, because of the Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. So he is a big part. I do. I do deal with him. But it's important to understand he's not a new ager. So. um, So you have this new thought thing going on. I mentioned Norman Vincent Peale. I'll tell you, um, and I, I don't want to get political, so don't ask me any political no, questions. No, you're good, you're good. But people should know that Trump was raised in Norman Vincent Peale's church, and his fa- parents were members of that church. Interesting. And, and when he was a candidate and first running, and he was asked what his favorite book was, he said it was The Power of Positive Thinking. Hmm. And I've actually, I actually noticed when he was president uh, from the things he said that he, that he, I mean, I consider him to be a new thought follower. That's, that's my own personal opinion. (laughs) Okay. Now here's the thing about new thought. That's so deceptive. It's a big part of the new age, but new thought from the very beginning claimed to be Christian. All of these early 
teachers and speakers that I was talking about there claim to be Christian. And those three churches, we'll look at their names of them, Christian Science, right? That was partly based on the idea of Jesus being a healer and teaching um, um, how to heal. And then um, uh, Unity was originally called the Unity School of Christianity. And actually, and that was uh, founded by the Fillmores, who was a married couple, and she had been influenced by Christian science. And I think he was influenced by some Eastern religions and some other things. And they formed Unity. Now it's just called Unity. And Unity, I went to some Unity services when I was a New Ager. And it can seem very New Agey. I think there are New Agers who go to Unity churches. But unity is still not really new age. It's, it's more, it's more new thought, strictly new thought. And the third one, the Church of Religious Science founded by Ernest and Fenwick Holmes, whose writings influenced Norman Vincent Peale. Um, that now changed its name several years ago to something like the Centers for Spiritual Living. Uh, which uh, it's really odd to me. They would change it because that's kind of a clunky name, but. Of course, Church of Religious Science is kind of a clunky name, too. So for whatever reason, they changed their name. There are. And so there are churches in around that follow, you know, these teachings. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly I, I know Christian science churches, unity churches uh, in all the big cities. Um, Which is and- really interesting, too, because like the Christian scientists that I've met. Think we're the same. Or at least like they don't know the difference. Like they, to them, it's like, or to, to, I had a friend named Brad and I'd talk to him and he'd be like, oh, you know, we, you know, we're both Christians. And I'd just be like, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> not really. No, yeah. yeah, no, they do. They think they're a Christian yeah. part of Christianity. That's, that's what they're taught. That's all the teachings are along those lines. Um, and I mean, I had a friend in junior high who was in a Christian science family. I remember that she was a Christian scientist. And at the time, I didn't really understand. The only thing I knew about them is they didn't believe in going to doctors. And I was always wondering about my friend because she had an eye problem and had to wear these glasses and her eyes were like really bad. And I now I wonder, was it because they didn't go to a doctor to get it fixed? You know, because I think it was oh, a correctable, man, yeah. I think it was a correctable vision problem. So, um, you know, that, so that's new thought. And so some of those ideas are in the new age. So that, so there's the new age. So I, now I just answered your first question. <laughs> <laughs> You're all right. You're all right. 30 well, minutes. <laughs> well, you, you'll be pleased to know that I only have two questions. So oh, okay. I mean, I, may, maybe, maybe three, but the, the third one's tied to the second one. So I, I guess the second thing I'd like to ask is, how has all of this stuff, all of these new age teachings, and like you said, they can look a lot of different ways and there's a ton of nuance with it, but yeah. how has yeah. that crept into our culture? How's that crept into the church? Like, what do you see when you, when you kind of look at our, our world around us right now? Right. Well, there's several things I see. I mentioned the alternative healing that's big in the culture and in the church. It was a big in the culture first, because when I was a new ager, I worked at a new age food co-op and we sold all that stuff. 
all that alternative stuff and supplements and and we did applied kinesiology and things like that. All that's in the church now. It's all in the church. It's like, well, you could go to my Christian could go to my new age co-op and feel at home, which is kind of sad because none of that stuff is based on objective data or research or science. Uh, some of it is is harmful. So um, in applied kinesiology, that's a, well, I won't go into that right now because it would take too much time, but a lot of people hearing this are going to recognize it because they go to chiropractors and a lot of chiropractors do that. So, um, you know, my, my thing is we believe as Christians, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And therefore truth should really matter to us. And God, if you look through the Bible, look up falsehood and lying. God denounces that real strongly throughout the Bible. Just read some of like Proverbs, uh, the, you know, the lying tongue versus the person who tells truth. God hates falsehood. And Jesus said, Satan is the father of lies and lying is in his nature. It's his nature to lie. Falsehood comes from Satan. And Christians should not promote things based on falsehood. And a lot of this alternative stuff is based on false. It's based on spiritual beliefs opposed to God. And it's not based on anything real. Um, so, you know, I just have to say that because it's one of my, yeah. my uh, areas that I have the most problems dealing with as far as getting people to understand and that these things that are so popular are not really made and they're not compatible with Christianity. Uh, do they work? Sometimes they work, but it's placebo effect. You know, placebo can account for a lot. It can be coincidence. It can be because you're also taking conventional medicine or therapy. Um, it could be that you have a self-limiting illness and you would have gotten better anyway. Okay. Now that's what they found with, for example, with something called echinacea. When I was in the New Age, it was very popular to take because it was supposed to heal you of so many things, including a cold. So as soon as you got a cold, you would take echinacea pills. Well, and then I started hearing Christians saying they were taking echinacea when they got a cold. Well, they did studies on it, and they found that in these studies, if you took echinacea versus you didn't take anything, you got better faster on echinacea, like maybe seven hours faster. <laughs> it didn't get wasn't even a whole day. It was like seven hours or something. It was ridiculous. And they said there's no point in taking it. Plus, they found that it could be harmful for children. So, mm. you know, you know, you just don't. There's a lot of promotion of this stuff in the culture. It's very popular because of these concepts of natural and all this stuff, which I, I think come partly from the New Age. So well, like there's, for, for me. Point. One that sounds silly to me is healing crystals, but oh, I yeah. see it more and more and with very logical, rational thinking people. And so I, I think that one has caught on. Um, You're right. Reason. That has, that is something big in the new age that has become more commonly accepted. And that's apparently some Christians. I have an article I just put an, a new article on my site on crystals. Can we can we use crystals for healing? Uh, because I was getting so many questions about it from Christians. And I thought, well, 
you know, all these Christians are asking me about it and I better <laughs> say something, you know? Um, so I did a Facebook po- post first and now it's an article on my site. Yeah. Because the idea is that the crystals are con- are buried in the earth for so long. And because they're buried in the earth, they absorb this energy from the earth. And of course, for new agers, even though um, they don't have the matter spirit combination, like I said earlier, they do believe this energy in things, their spiritual energy, and that it absorbs this spiritual energy that for some reason they assume is healing or has some kind of power. So crystals are like concentrated forms of energy. And so you can use it for healing. You can use it to attract money. You can use it for clarity of thinking. You can use it to attract love. You can use it to be peaceful. Okay. They have all these different things that different crystals are supposed to do. You know, the amethyst does this and the citrine stone does this and, you know, whatever stone does this. So they have a a little, you know, guide that you can even look up online. It's very easy to find and, and you find out what each crystal is supposed to do. But of course, a lot of it is used for healing. Um, but of course, a crystal can heal. I mean, it's a, it's an inanimate object and it may be beautiful and it may be even rare and it may even be something that is worth a lot of money, but it has zero power to do anything. It just looks pretty. You know, that's pretty much it. It looks pretty. It maybe costs you a lot of money. Um, and at this, this thinking that it has this power, this is like animism. Um, and unfortunately, I see that kind of thinking in the church where they actually think an object can have something spiritual in it, or they think it can have a demon in it or something. This is, this is animism, hmm. which is like the opposite of Christianity. And I mean, you find a little of that in the new age too, this animism. This, you cannot, you can't be an animist and have a Christian worldview because they're, they're opposed to each other. And there's nothing in scripture that indicates inanimate objects have spirits in them. There's nothing that indicates that. So when God wanted them to smash the idols, it's because people were worshiping them and they represented mm-hmm. the false gods and people were worshiping them. I mean, it was, totally you know a rebellion against god to have those idols um but the actual idol itself god even has many passages in the bible he says they're they can't see they can't hear they can't speak you know why do you go to these idols they can't tell you anything they know nothing you know but you're going to them so um inanimate objects have no power or energy or anything in them supernatural they can help you with anything. Yeah. So that's crystals. So yeah, crystals are an area that have gotten more popular, definitely along with yoga and the word karma and the manifestation. What do you want me to talk about next? Because I, I can go a few well, places. No, no, it's all good. Um, I, well, okay. I'll tell you one I dealt with recently. I've got, I've got a good friend, uh, Christian, um, was going to a therapist and the therapist turned out to be a shaman. Like <laughs> that wasn't a one for one thing, but shaman on the side therapist over here. And some of those <laughs> teachings started creeping into the therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my basic advice was look like, you know, you're, you're, you're a big kid. You, you 
I, I, I can't dictate what you do, but at, at the end of the day, like you've got to be either ultra discerning on this to the point where you can separate the therapy from the spiritual stuff and you know it 100% what's what, or you got, you got to get out if you can't tell the difference between the two. I mean, do you think that's fair advice for anybody that might have friends? Yes. I, yes. I think actually I would go beyond that and say, find another therapist period, because I, you know, most Christians just are not going to recognize the spiritual teachings from someone like that, because it can be very subtle. Not only that, you are basically by going to this person. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I would have less trouble if the person was an atheist. It's when they have these spiritual views that fall into the areas of the occult and the new age that I think it becomes dangerous because you're kind of open. You're kind of saying, here I am. I'm a target for this stuff. You know, it's almost like going to a psychic. It's not quite that the same, but it's almost like it. If you, if you know, you know, if you're not aware, well, then you're not aware. But if you know the therapist is into the new age or is, which if he's calling himself a shaman, he's probably into the new age. So you know, you, you don't want to go to, I wouldn't, I tell people don't go to new age doctors and don't go to new age psychologists because their worldview is completely opposed to the Christian worldview. And that's where they're coming from. Cause this therapist, if he's going to him, is it a, a for physical reasons or psychological counseling reasons It was for counsel? It was for counseling. Okay. This therapist is going to have a different view of the self, what your self is. And what's going on with you, they're going to see it in a spiritual way. There's no way for a new ager or someone who calls himself a shaman to see you in a secular way. They're going to see you from a spiritual viewpoint. And and you going to that person, you're opening yourself up to their advice based on their spiritual views, even if it's not expressed. Even if hmm. this person doesn't express it in a spiritual way, he's coming from that viewpoint. Therefore, my advice is you find another therapist, even if you okay. think this person is helping you. I that would just you know if they're asking my advice, that's what I would say. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting because uh, I I'd never really dealt with anything like that, and you know that's more and more of an occurrence these days. So I, yeah, I thought I'd, I'd yeah. You know, ask that's you another curious, thing that's curious, become yeah. more common is shame. The term shaman, because mm-hmm. that was even back when I was in the New Age, uh, there was a psychic. I knew at this place um, where I was taking classes and eventually I taught astrology there and there were people, they gave classes in all kinds of things, numerology, you know, tarot cards, uh, astrology, past life regression um, and other things. And there was one, uh, one of the teachers there who was also a psychic went away for a while. I can't remember if we knew why he was gone, but he was gone for a a period of time, like, you know, at least six or eight months or something. He came back maybe longer. And all of a sudden now he's a shaman, you know, and I remember his name was Lee and everyone's like, well, Lee's a shaman. So he was calling himself a shaman and he was supposedly practicing shamanism. Now I didn't consult him. I actually had never consulted him. I just knew him and I knew who he was, but you know, I was like, a sh- when they t- when I was told that, I was like a shaman. I was like, how did he become a shaman? Because <laughs> I'm like, you know, you don't just decide you're a shaman. You know, you have to go through this process and and normally some kind of initiation. And in cultures that are, sh- are shamanistic, 
which are usually these tribal cultures in um, various parts of the world, uh, you have an initiation. It's a very intense kind of thing. And I think you kind of have to be called to be a shaman. There has to be some sign that you're supposed to be a shaman. You have some kind of gift or something like that. Probably depends on the culture. But now that's become westernized. So now people can decide they're shamans. And, you know, and it's I think a lot of it is new age mixed in with new age and occult ideas of healing. And shame, a shaman, traditionally, the definition of a shaman is that the shaman is the mediator between the spirit world and the people of the tribe or the village. And the shaman is the one who goes to the spirits or the ancestors for advice or information when someone's sick they they do these occult rituals to heal the person but it's usually in the context of doing spirit contact and and shamans also are in some cultures are able to they believe they're able to um, walk the sky in fact one of the names for the shaman is a sky walker should sound familiar to followers of star wars You know, George Lucas is very influenced by Eastern religions. There's a lot of East. I could do a whole thing on Star Wars. Eastern religions galore in Star Wars. And um, there's Skywalker because they supposedly could walk the sky. And there's also the idea. This is where the idea of where they could become a bird and fly or become a tiger Mm. and run through the forest. Mm. They, They have these kind of magical supernatural powers. So that's what a shaman really is traditionally. Now it's kind of westernized, so it's toned down a little in the West. I don't know of any shaman in the United States who claims they can change into a tiger. There might be some. I don't know. <laughs> but usually they're going to be like New Agers, and they're going to be healers or therapists. That's the mm-hmm. big area of Satan uses for deception is healing. That's a, his biggest area of deception in the occult and the New Age. Or may, maybe it sounds biggest, but it's one of the biggest. So the other would be like spiritual beliefs. But so, um, yeah, shaman's another thing that's kind of become almost not maybe not mainstream, but it's become common enough that people have heard the term. It's also become Mm -hmm. glamorized. All these things become glamorized, you know, like witchcraft becomes glamorized. Um, Shamanism becomes glamorized, you know, because it's quote unquote natural. You know, so you've got this this whole kind of thing going on in the culture where these things are promoted or they're or they're glamorized in a way that people see them as good and beneficial and not strange or scary or evil. And that's a big shift in our culture. That's part of of the mainstreaming of the new age. It's gone from something either exotic, strange, weird or evil to something glamorous helpful, beneficial, natural, good, et cetera, completely changed. So, you know, with all that said, um, I, I, I guess my question would be, how can Christians kind of be on the defense here? How can we, how can we kind of be as discerning as possible? How can we make sure that we're not opening ourselves up to, letting in these new practices that could really, really be harmful, you know, maybe, and maybe we don't even know it, but mm-hmm. uh, is, is there a, is there a good way of doing that? Well, yeah, I think we go back to make sure whatever you want to do a practice or a healing, 
uh, practice or item, food, uh, maybe not food, treatment is a better word. Make sure it's based on facts and that the, and it doesn't have a spirituality to it. Because um, I see a lot of Christians going to non-medical sources for healing. And that's where you're going to find all this mostly <clears throat> new age and pseudoscience stuff. Um, so make sure if you're dealing in an area where you're getting something specific, whether it's a specific treatment or a specific substance, that it's something that has been tested that, that is something based on factual, there's factual data supporting its use. Um, for example, uh, there is no regulation of any supplements. They're not regulated. So you basically are trusting the people who produce them that they have in them what they're supposed to have and they don't always have that or that they don't have stuff in it that's dangerous, um, substances that are dangerous. Cause when they randomly test some, some supplements, they always, they always find some with dangerous stuff in them. They're not regulated because the alternative industry didn't want them regulated and they passed a bill in 1994. So they wouldn't be regulated. Hmm. So they're only something happen. Only something is done if a number of people die, and in that case, uh, the FDA will set it, step in and, and ban the product. But it has to. People have to die first. So you know, you can take a lot of supplements and it will damage your liver, and you don't realize it. I know I'm getting I'm getting too much into health stuff, and I didn't want to do that, but that's just. Well, I know that health stuff is a big piece of it, though, right? Yeah, it's a big piece of it. So. That's one area. The other, you know, other areas are um, just, uh, you know, ideas that you hear in the culture. Of course, we could talk about yoga, but that would be almost a whole program. <laughs> um, you know, um, ideas that, well, the Enneagram is another one um, that's in the church. And that's really from the New Age, originally from the occult esoteric teachings that went through the New Age. That's where it got its, that's where it was dressed up. You know, it was kind of bones, <laughs> kind of a, a weird skeleton before. And then it got all dressed up for the party in the new age. Um, and there's nothing Christian about it. I think the main thing to know is if something appears new and you haven't heard from it. Or it sounds strange. You investigate, investigate it, you know, because. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's okay. Just because it's being promoted by Christians doesn't mean it's okay. Just because Christian books were written on it, like now we have like over 140 Enneagram titles, Christian Enneagram titles. There was one in 2016, if you didn't count Richard Rohr's book, there was one book on the Enneagram for the church. Now there's a hundred and over 140 since 2016. That doesn't mean, and that's what I've actually had people say to me, well, but look at all of these Christian publishers. They wouldn't publish something that wasn't true or, or that was bad. Yes, they would. Oh, yes, they would. <laughs> they certainly would, and they have. So, you know, or, or, or I know these pastors who use the Enneagram. Doesn't matter. One of the things I think to remember is the New Testament, a lot of the New Testament, which is written to Christians, directly to Christians, is a warning about false teachings and deception, constant warnings in all, almost all of the, the letters to the churches. There's warnings about 
you know, the false teachers, you know, look at Galatians, it's in there and Corinthians, it's in there, it's in Colossians, it's in first, second and third John, you know, it's, there are warnings that there are false teachings, there are these teachings going on that are against Christ, you know, and, and then there's the urgings that Paul made to Timothy, stand, hold to sound doctrine, you know, hold to the teachings, sound teachings of the faith. Don't depart from them. You kind of reminded me of uh, Paul talking about the Bereans, you know, the, to yeah. go and search the scriptures and to make sure what, what I'm saying isn't false, you know? Like, right. if, if we're told to do that with actual preaching about the Bible, yeah. why wouldn't we do that with everything else, right? Exactly, like, exactly. And, and you know, you're not going to be able to look, look something up in the Bible that's current today that didn't exist then. So you need to understand the principles of, you know, what God's teaching in the Bible and the principles are always truth is always a big component. It's got to be true. It's got to be based on fact. And it can't be an idea that is undermines who God is or undermines who man is or promotes man, you know, like man really has a divine nature. Okay. That's a teaching that promotes man. So you have to understand who is man according to scripture and who is God according to scripture. You know, who is who is Jesus according to scripture and really know that. And we, we learn all of that from that's all in scripture. So I guess the best way is to know the Bible It's <laughs> to really know the Bible, because if you really know who God is, for example, it it helps you recognize false teachings really fast because there will be something false about God in those mm-hmm. teachings or false about man. So. um you know, that's kind of a, 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 a general kind of way to avoid this because there's so many things out there. You know, I can't give a list of them. I can't say here, avoid all no, these things. No, yeah, that's. I could, even if I could do that, you know, tomorrow there would be something that I, it's not on the list. Well, that's why so, I love you. You broke it down to the, I mean, it, you know, it always almost sounds cheesy to bring it back to read your Bible. Yes. But it's yeah. the answer. It's the it's answer. Pray, the answer. <laughs> read your Bible. Like, do that. Go to God yeah. with all yeah. of it. You know? Right, right. That. Do And do good hermeneutics. Do, do sound interpretation of the scripture. Mm-hmm. Don't read things into it. Because, of course, that's what the cults do. That's what New Agers do. Because New Agers will often refer to scripture. New thought, which claims to be Christian. You know, Emmett Fox wrote this whole thing on the Sermon of the Mount. He wrote a whole book on it. He's using the Bible. But. He's interpreting it with his ideas. So he's putting his ideas into the text, you know, and, and, and Mary Baker Eddy did the same thing. So that's a danger because you can see somebody quoting scripture or talking about it as though, oh, they really love this. You know, oh, I love reading this, this passage. And, but they, they're not, they're not understanding it or interpreting it correctly. I mean, Conversations with God, for example, is a huge bestseller that came out around 2000, I think. I have an article on my website and by Neil Donald Walsh, who's a New Ager. And um, apparently a lot of Christians thought it was a Christian book because it was called Conversations with God. <laughs> it is not Christian at all. And he, there's quotes in there from the Bible, from Scripture. Because Neil Donald Walsh was writing things down that he said God was telling him. And some of it are passages of scripture. And so, you know, he's quoting a a passage there from 1 Corinthians or something. 
And you think, oh, well, look, he's even quoting the Bible. Well, a new ager wouldn't quote the Bible. Well, yeah, they do. They would quote the Bible. And they, I quoted the Bible when I was a new ager. Um, and some, he some quotes the Bible in the garden a little bit. Right. <laughs> exactly. And he does also in the temptations of Jesus yeah. in the wilderness. Yeah. He quoted from something from, I think, the Psalms when he tried to tell Jesus to jump down off the high place. Yeah, that's what I meant. I didn't mean to say garden, but yeah, yeah, the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. He actually was was twisting God's word in the garden. Yeah, exactly. He did did kind of quote God, but he changed it a little bit. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so false teachers and people in the New Age and people in New Thought will quote scripture. Uh, yeah. And so you've got to really see, well, what do they mean by that? Or if they say something and you're talking to them and they say, well, I believe in Jesus. And you're kind of wondering because you don't really know, you know, you can say, well, OK, well, who, you know, who is who who is Jesus? Who do you think Jesus is? You know, and you have to really kind of probe sometimes because. Yeah. yeah. You're going to get, um, you know, I remember talking to a new ager one time and she, she was talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, but she said the sin was that they believed their bodies were really who they were, that they were really in their bodies, that these bodies were who they were. And the actual truth is that they're, they're spirits. See, that's kind of a Gnostic idea, but that she was into new age thinking. And so, you know, they'll, they may even agree with something in the Bible, but their interpretation of it's completely it's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's very, see that new age is, is very deceptive. And if it weren't deceptive, it wouldn't be a problem. The reason it's successful is because it's so deceptive and it, and it does it really, really well. Yeah. It does deception really well. Yeah. Um, Randy, I feel like I've done all the talking on our end. Do you have any questions? <laughs> I had one question at the beginning, and it took Marsha 45 minutes to answer. <laughs> she nailed it. She nailed right. it. I no, tend to awesome. do that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, you, you, but definitions are important, aren't they? One hundred percent. Maybe we can do it. Maybe we can do another question next time. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, well, okay, but you've proven the point, though, like how much it matters to get it right when talking about this stuff, because everything gets contorted when talked about around this subject, it seems like. Like in the beginning, I was asking you about, you know, uh, manifestation, and we had to talk about, well, wait, what do you mean by that? Because it's gotten switched around so much, you know, and it's true. All this stuff gets talked about in so many different ways, um, and yeah. it is deceptive. Yeah, and the manifestation comes from New Thought, and I did talk about New Thought. I didn't get to the secret. Uh, I don't think I. Yeah, I did. I did talk about. That. I, I can't remember if we talked about that. You before mentioned the it, but you didn't the, describe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah, secret. I think we talked about it before. We talked about it before. Yeah, yeah. which is the very popular book and video that was promoted by Oprah, and that had the whole idea that if you believe something, there's something you want, if you really want it and you really believe it, you can manifest it. You can make it happen. And so that is taught in the secret. It's taught as a process that this is what you you can do. And it's, and they talk about how you do it with money, how you do it with health, how you do it with, you know, romance, how you do it with job success. And those are the ideas over and over. And they have these people that they quote in the book and 
in the video, they're on a panel speaking. All of these people are new thought. They're all new thought teachers. They're all new thought teachers or teachers who follow new, new thought thinking. And several of them are self-help in the self-help business. So um, I always tell people, you know, self-help, you got to watch out for self-help because there's a lot of new age. I mean, new thought in self-help. Mm. Okay. You can do anything, believe in yourself. You know, Aunt Tony Robbins or Anthony yeah, Robbins, yeah, the yeah. firewalking, that's new thought. And I believe that he is a follower, although he pretty much, he's good at kind of hiding the spiritual side of what he believes. It pops out every now and then. So I don't know for sure. But from what I've seen of him, I think he's a new thought follower. The hmm. giant, didn't he write a book, Awaken the Giant Within? That's very much. Oh, a, that does sound familiar. Yeah, that's very much of a new thought idea. Um, I'm still asked about him. So he's still out there. His books are still popular. Yeah, oh, and, yeah, yeah. And I have an article on him. Uh, oh, let me say my website because I have a new website. Yes, so, please. Yes. Um, if I could go ahead and, and give that. It is ChristianAnswersNewAge.com. So that is different. The old one was ChristianAnswersForTheNewAge.org. This is ChristianAnswersNewAge.com. So um, it looks a little different. Uh, and the articles are set up differently. There's a search box. The search is uh, the search thing on there is wonderful. It works really well. So if you just put in a word like astrology, everything related to astrology will come up, including any programs I've done that are on there. Um, there's not a list of articles yet. So you can't like go look and little at a list of articles, but you can put anything in the search box to get that topic. And um, I believe if you just keep paging through, you'll go through all the articles. So there eventually will probably be a list of articles, but that hasn't been done yet. And that's going to take a while. And the guy who found this place for me and transferred all my articles over initially is probably going to is going to do that. And I've added a lot of articles uh, that were Facebook posts that were not on my website because now I can add my own articles. I didn't do that before I had a webmaster who did it because he knew the technical stuff, how to do it. This was easy enough for me to learn. <laughs> so it was, it's actually was a lot like doing a Facebook post. It was very, it had some very strong similarities to that. So it was just a certain way you do it and, and it works. It's great. So I can add things. When I think, oh, wait, I, I need an article on that. I can just do it, you know, right away. So that's an advantage uh, for for the website and for people who want information. I can get information up there faster before I had to put it in a certain format and tell my webmaster everything and how I wanted it, way to do all this other stuff, where to link and how to do the words to put in for searches, et cetera. And it was more of a process. It just took, it was more time consuming. So when I was going to do an article on my website, it was more of a project, but now I can, I can just do it faster. So. So there's, there'll be even more stuff up basically. You, you can put out yeah, stuff whenever there you want. Be, there should be Lord willing, there should be more stuff. And I put up initially, like, I think six new articles right after the website went up. I think awesome. I put up at least six art, new articles. So I'll be doing that. Okay. Very cool. Well, Marcia, thank you for hanging out with us and letting us pick your brain a little bit and 
for correcting us where we needed corrected on a few things because man, this stuff is confusing. But like that's yeah. why I wanted to talk about it too. Yeah. Um, but but it's been great. And uh thanks for just kind of reminding us to just always bring it back to scripture, always bring it back yes. to what the word says, right? Right. Um so awesome. Uh we will see you next time then. God kept calling my heart. Like, I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.